I'm Asan, it's Friday, and this is your weekly Friday show dose from the 9320 player. I'm delighted to be joined by a big panel today. Firstly, birthday boy and the star of every football show he blags his way on to, Mr. Howard Hockin. How are you doing, Howard? Yeah, okay, thanks. Just feel that little bit older. <laughs> I played that badminton because, last night and I'm suffering big time now. That's mm. because you are one year older than you were this time a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> it might be that, yeah, it might be yeah, that. Yeah, it might well be that. Uh, okay, I've also got the King of City journalist Twitter, Mr. Sam Lee. Morning, Sam. How are you doing? Oh, well, hello. Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. All good. Excellent. Are you the King of City journo Twitter? I think you are. Oh, uh, yeah, I think you'd have to take a poll. Okay. I don't like those polls. Well, don't, don't actually do that. No, I'm not actually going to do that because those polls the are way to sort it. Poll. Anybody who votes on a Twitter poll, mm, yeah, for stuff like that, I'm not sure about that. Uh, and finally, we have Mr. Radio Voice himself, Mr. Mark Meadowcroft. Morning, Mark. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Please. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? I'm very good, very good. Looking forward to the weekend. It always feels good going into the weekend when you know that you're champions already. I think that's why I'm in such a good mood. Because you wake up on the Friday and you just go, ah, we're champions. Another, vict- another victory lap around the ground this weekend. And A-San, yeah. it's going to be sunny and warm in Manchester. Oh. Over my. a bank holiday. Oh, my like goodness. The perfect storm. I think I, I also something else. I think this will be the first match in City's history where we have kicked off knowing that we will win a trophy at the end of it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because every time we've won the league, I think we've won it on the last day. Yeah. And a cup mm, competition, well. by definition, there is jeopardy. Yes, that's a very fair point. Very fair point. Yeah, I don't um, know about 1937, to be honest. <laughs> I know we won it by three points, but I don't know if we won it with time to spare or not. So, uh, Were you there, Howard? <laughs> no, I was only young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were too young to get into the ground yeah. in 1937. Excellent. Uh, okay, we're going to crack on with an opening question. Uh, we've got a few opening questions. Uh, first one, I'm going to direct it immediately at Samley. Um, Phil Fodden and Brahim Diaz future next season uh, Zoy asks that question and loads of people have asked that question um, and I think it's worthy of a tiny bit of discussion so Sam what are your tell me what you think should happen and what you think will happen uh, well I don't know maybe I just always think I've got into this mindset of Guardiola knows best so maybe that's not going to serve anybody um, but in the, in his first season you know the kids kind of stayed around until December and then went out on loan. Like my fail went out on loan just before Christmas, didn't he? And there was somebody else. I can't remember. It was Angelino maybe. Um, and last season going into that, the decision was made to keep Foden and Brahim around. And then in December, they'd make the same kind of decision, obviously with the squad being short in the end or short by the standards of what, Guardiola wanted in the transfer window. They kept both of them. So I would imagine, I don't know yet, I would imagine I would imagine that next season well I'm sure Foden will be kept around anyway and I would imagine that Brahim will be kept around and they'll look at it in December because they took that decision with Brahim while the transfer window was still open and while they were still expecting to bring in Alexis Sanchez so even if they bring in the forward this summer they'll have the same amount of forwards they expected to have a year ago when they made the decision to keep Brahim around so I think yeah 
he'll he'll stay for a bit, keep training, and then if he's not getting opportunities or he wants to go, then he might go out on loan. I th- I think that's what will happen, and I think with Foden. I'm not sure yet. I, w- I would imagine the same because they're not looking for another midfielder. He's had a decent amount of chances already. Um, surprisingly, he didn't come on against West Ham. I thought it was strange, but okay. Um, so I- I'd-, I'd guess he'll be kept around. I'll try and find out. But yeah, and in terms of what I think should happen, yeah, I definitely think Foden should, and I think he should carry on getting games. You know, in the cups in the last 10, 15 minutes, and um, Brahim as well. To be fair. Less, you know, less easy to see how he does that if they bring in another forward, um, and he doesn't seem to be playing in midfield. So I don't know how it's going to work, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd keep them around until December at least. Foden for the full season, IMO. Okay, um, Mark, how does putting aside the case of Diaz for a moment, um, looking at Foden, who's kind of has been around the fringes of the team but has gotten um, some minutes this season. How do you feel his progress can progress next season? What is it that he needs to do or that Guardiola needs to do for us to feel like there is some progress from this season? I think that with Phil Foden and Brahim Diaz, they are still very young. They are very early in their careers. And on one or two occasions, they have looked like kids playing um a man's game. I mean, the the one that really struck me, and maybe we lost two points because of it, was that when Brahim came on against Burnley, they were able to handle him for 20 minutes really quite easily without kicking him foot up in the air. I mean, it was perfectly legal what they did, but they were able to nullify him. And once or twice that's happened with Foden as well, and that's only to be expected. I don't think that on basic ability there are any questions that either of them have to answer particularly. It's just learning how to play in those sorts of atmospheres. And and, and the weird thing is that Brahim arguably cost us two points, although you could argue Sterling's miss as well, obviously. I, I, I take that into point. But that basically it, we were winning when he came on and we finished up drawing and the threat came down their right-hand side when he was playing left wing. But that's how you learn, isn't it? Mm. Um, and just in terms of Foden's progress, uh, how does he, what does he need to do next season for us to feel like there's some forward momentum in his progress? I think to be selected by Guardiola. I mean, I, it, obviously we're in a situation, we see the matches, we don't see how he performs uh, in training. And I think we've just got to have faith in the coach on this one. He will judge. I mean, it is slightly noticeable that uh, he is continuing to uh, feature, whereas uh, Brahim seems to have just uh, disappeared off the rise never so slightly. And maybe that indicates that his progress is continuing and Brahim maybe has just plateaued slightly for the for, for the time being. But again, these are these are kids, literally. I mean, they're yeah. under 18. That, it's going to happen. Sure. I mean, I, 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 I completely agree. I, I don't think that there's a, uh, I don't think there's an emergency or a massive rush, but I do think that the players themselves um, will need to feel like there is some uh, forward momentum within their progress. Um, because at the end of the day, they do have a lot of talent and a lot of ability and they do have the kind of ability, as we've seen with Sancho, where other clubs can 
dangle the carrot that, well, will give you more playing time. Um, Howard, I want to throw this over to you now. Just kind of want to keep the, the question similar to what I asked Mark. What do you think Foden needs to see or feel for, for him to feel like he's made progress next season again? Uh, just, as Mark said, very, very young. So I don't think he's a City fan he wants to stay here the rest of his life. He said that. So mm. he's not going to kick up a foot. We've not got a Sancho situation here. Very, very unlikely. Just, yeah, just up the game time season by season. Uh, he'll want, for development, obviously that a lot of that's down to himself to become a better player, but just have more game time next season than this season. I think it's that simple. The more time we can get him on the pitch and 15-minute cameos are not really that helpful for me I mean it, it, yeah it lets you soak up the atmosphere and get used to playing on the pitch but I think would be you probably want a few starts next season uh, and not in dead rubber games but you know for his manager to show him the confidence that he trusts him in a game that means something mm. but as Mark said there's not a rush in five years time it'll be the age that Sterling is now, and it's like, you know, it's... Uh, we've got, got to remember that they are kids, and I just it has to be a steady... Pep will... Uh, I trust Pep that he'll just, you know, he realises what a great player he is. He knows he's got the real deal here, and it's just a case of easing him into the situation so that he can develop uh, and not be fed to the Lions. In the, you know, I mean, I I always think back to Pellegrini's FA Cup lineup against Chelsea. That to me was not how to deal with young players. They seemed to enjoy the experience, even though they got thrashed, and they did well for one half. But I don't think that's the perfect way to to aid the development of youth players. So I think no. just just to ease him in and increase his game time. Mm. Uh, but of course, in the results business, you know, there'll be that. That dilemma, do you play, you know, about playing your best? You've got 17, 18, you know, 20 million plus players, uh, pound players, and, you know, it's a results business. So he's got to balance that. Because yeah, but at the I end of the day, playing a season international is still more likely to get your results. That's, I think that's, I think that's fine up to a point, but I think that at, at a certain point, the actually the most important thing should be performances in training and in matches shouldn't matter whether you know if if oh yeah yeah if Gundogan cost whatever he cost the reality is and I'm just picking Gundogan's name out of a hat yeah um but the reality is that if Foden performs in training he should be given a chance I I understand I think that Pep I think it's quite interesting I think that Pep is a guy who likes to have a hierarchy and he doesn't like to mess with the hierarchy within his squad so you know there have been moments where maybe we have felt certain young players should get a chance, but that's kind of not the case because Guardiola's looking at it and he's going, well, Danilo's a senior player, Gundogan's a senior player, and if these guys haven't played as many minutes as some of the others, now's an opportunity to give them minutes. So they're going to get minutes before the young kids. And I've seen it's it's a conversation that um, um, esteemed company Steve's had on Twitter a few times as well about, you know, Torre coming on as opposed to, to Foden coming on last last weekend against West Ham and, and you know, kind of what's the point? And personally, I would agree with Steve 
I'm a little bit like, I appreciate everything that Yaya Torre has done for this football club, but Torre doesn't need a, a kind of victory lap every week for the next four weeks. Yeah, Torre can have a send-off at the end of the last home game. Um, but looking at, and this kind of leads me nicely into, into the next question, but looking at next season, for me, I think that we should be seeing Foden, we should be seeing Diaz to get a feeling for them in amongst the other senior players as opposed to giving a send-off to, to Yaya. But that's just yeah. my opinion. Um, so no, you're right. I mean, the Yaya can have the Brighton game as a send-off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it doesn't... And all this about appearances and getting a medal. Well, he's, he's got five anyway. Not that, that not that you have to get five, but he's appeared enough anyway, so he doesn't need... You know, his appearances bumped up. So I agree as well, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, for, we were led to believe Foden would get pitch time for every game in the remainder of the season. So it was a bit weird that he didn't come on against West Ham. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, okay. Next question. Sam, going to start with you. Uh, how important is it to build momentum in these next few games going into next season? Um, this is a question from Pax Mouse and he, he, he ends it by saying very similar to last year in the sense that we had little to play for in May. Um, so do you think that we generated momentum at the end of last season to bring into this season? And do you think we can do something similar now? I mean, I I don't know about like the actual ability to generate momentum that you can carry mm. over because at the end of the day, you've still got a break and then a pre-season. You've got new players coming in. Like last season, obviously, there was a big change. So, I mean, it was obviously good, but I think it's easy to say the end of the season was good, the start of the season was good, there was momentum there. I think that's I think that's just a bit to suit a, to a narrative, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, but I do think the most important thing that we've seen and the most telling thing about City's reaction having won the league, and obviously it depends what happens in the next three games, but I'd imagine they'd keep going and playing well, is before the Swansea game, you know, we probably said the same on this podcast, I think we probably did. Um, I was speaking to somebody who knows the situation City pretty well as well, just a normal conversation and said, it'd be interesting to see how they do against Swansea because... You know, there's. I don't think the players are going to go right. We've won the league now. Let's just not bother. But there's there's just a natural kind of psychological drop off. There's not the same pressure to cover the extra yard. You know, the way that the way that they'd have been on it at the Spurs game, for example, because after you know the results against United and Liverpool, it was right. We need to go and do this. We need to get back on track. You know, take steps towards winning the league and you know play with the same pressure they've played all season so I thought as soon as that pressure was released naturally there might have been some little drop off obviously there's been none of that and they've just carried on so I think that's probably the most telling thing we can take from this little run into next season is that even now when there's not an awful lot riding on it they haven't dropped their standards at all even when you know dropping standards might be something that was just natural as well it's not like a conscious choice I think the fact that They've stayed on top of it so well is is a good sign. But what it means for next season, especially with the World Cup to break things up, a bit of a disrupted preseason, you know, players not getting back on time. You know, City could win their next three games five 0 and it, I don't know if it will necessarily have much of an impact on the start of next season. Mm. Um, Sam, just a, a quick one to to follow up on that, uh, and then Mark and Howard can, can maybe have a go at answering it as well. It's a bit random, but do you think that the the success that Liverpool are having in the Champions League and the the manner in which that 
kind of week unfolded where we lost to United and, and, and lost the two Liverpool ties. Do you think that that has kind of spurred them on in this final bit of the season? You see what I'm getting at? That there's that they almost, they can kind of, you know, it's really difficult to escape the hype around this yeah. Liverpool team. And maybe there's a sense from some of these City players that, well, we're not going out with a whimper. Um, I wonder if it's more to do with the games against Liverpool and United that you mentioned than what Liverpool are doing um, gotcha. in the Champions League. Because I'd, I'd imagine they'd have thought, maybe they thought we got something to prove here. I'm sure Guardiola would have been probably more pissed off with them in, in private than he was in public. Um, and yeah, we, you just know what Guardiola's like as well. You know, I think when we say, you know, that pressure to to win and run and put all the effort in comes from from the manager, you know, I think it genuinely does. So, yeah, I think I think they're probably just thinking, look, we, we're better than we showed in that week. And, uh, that yeah, that probably just come into okay. it. Excellent. Um, Howard, I'll throw that over to you just very briefly in terms of momentum. Do you think that there's momentum that you can take from the end of one season into the next season? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. No, that's not enough. Not with a World Cup in it. I mean, who's going to remember the end of... Yeah, you know, these players will be going off to World Cups, most of them anyway. Yeah. Coming back a uh, very short pre-season, probably. Mm. Are they really going to remember Swansea West Ham performances? I think a lot of them are playing... It's, you know, it kind of alludes to the previous point, uh, question you asked, Sam. Uh, there's, there's players... I mean, Pep said, the, the, you know, we're planning... The next season kind of starts now. Uh, but just because he says it doesn't make it a fact. There's players who, who know that they still have to keep playing for him because he has the highest of standards and that he's got a good memory and they're not going to just you know start strolling around a pitch that could affect them next season their selection or how he views them but I can't see that you know it allows Pep to try things perhaps and try new things but I can't see it having much difference when we get to the start of next season the only relevant thing is Pep I think they're all aware that defender titles are a lot harder than to win it, you know, as non-champions. And the attitude in these games where a result isn't that important, that's the only thing you can probably take from it. Is that if you can show that if you can show the attitude and commitment and application in these sort of games, it could, you know, it could serve you well next season. But yeah. a lot's going to happen over the summer and it's kind of a, any new season is kind of a clean slate, really. Uh, they've mm. got to start. You've got to reset. You know, start from scratch, and you know, and just just deal with the situation as it is. Can I can I respectfully disagree entirely? Um, yeah, of course you I, can. I think that the end of last season, the the Crystal Palace and Watford games, I remember in particular, I saw those as foreshadowing what we saw this season. Uh, you could see, you know, things were coming together. Um, and I think that we did take that over. I'm also probably over-influenced going back in history, so what, to a much lower level. But the classic example of taking momentum from one season to the next was um, uh, after the, uh, the, the, the the Gillian playoff final, where, of course, we went through uh, the, 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 the first division, as it was then, in the season, and the momentum from Paul Dickov's goal uh, lasted until about March. <laughs> I'm seriously, you remember it? I'm right. <laughs> it did, oh, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, season. Yeah, it's a fair call. Um, it's a, it's, uh, obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a lower level, but this is a game that's played in the head. Um, 
in answer to the the, the question about Liverpool, I, I think that uh, is having a bit of an effect at the moment because I I, I think that uh, what I'm sure that what Sam has said now the dust has settled. Yes, City were unlucky, but they were also authors of their own misfortune in those three games. And that's true of all three matches. Yes, an element of, of misfortune, no question, but that wasn't the whole story. And yeah. uh, I, I think they're taking their frustration out on the uh, procession of poor saps that come up in front of them now. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I like that. Um, okay, listen, this isn't on the agenda. It's being swapped in and swapped out, so to speak, because uh, it's apparently very important to City Twitter. Uh, Ilke Gundogan had the nerve to congratulate Jurgen Klopp after Liverpool beat Roma this week to get to the Champions League final. And I saw an absolute meltdown on my Twitter timeline with loads of people giving Ilke tons and tons of abuse. So, Howard, where do you stand on this week's enormous controversy? Was (laughs) it a terrible act? Should the man now be sold? Uh if, I'll be honest, I know this is an audio show that people listen to. I'm not even going to waste my breath and answer that question. Okay, fair enough. Fair Literally, enough. If, any, if I've seen anyone abuse him, then I'll, I'll ne- they'll never appear on my timeline again. I saw loads and of imagine abuse, it's full, Absolutely loads of abuse. People that you know well or have communicated with on Twitter or just random I've seen accounts a broad, of morons. In- I've seen a broad spectrum of... City supporters ranging in all ages and all nationalities, um, living in different places, who, yeah, uh, yeah, all had a massive go at him and basically I, told him to fuck off. Ut- utterly, utterly predictable. As soon as you see the tweet, you know what's coming. Mm. Uh, but that's just the sorry state of people, I'm afraid, and social media. And no, I can't say I'm not wasting any more time on more ones like that. Fine. <laughs> um, Sam, as the as the neutral, right? Um, can you can you understand why supporters would get a bit agitated in a situation like this, or does this point to the kind of um, childish vacuum that is social media? Yeah, it's just childish, isn't it? Just grow up. Okay, cool, perfect, simple as that. Yeah. Really, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say anything more than Howard just. Yeah, look, the sort of people who say that are, are, are young lads who have difficulty talking to girls. Can we move on? <laughs> now, look, I did. I did I've, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, look, you've, the three of you have completely dismissed it, which is totally fair enough. My personal opinion is very, very close to what the three of you think. Um, but I did see some grown-up blues this week kind of articulate in a polite way that... Fairly sure Gundogan's got Klopp's phone number and he can just text him and be like, congratulations. He doesn't, bearing in mind that they knocked us out, bearing in mind how our results against Liverpool have gone this season. um, There is a little bit of an argument that on the night that they kind of scrape through against Roma uh, is maybe not the moment to publicly congratulate Klopp. I, I can kind of get on but I don't think that there's any need for anybody to publicly abuse a City player for doing something like that I think that's pathetic and really immature but at the same time I think it's fair enough if somebody goes well he's probably got his number and he can probably text him he doesn't really need to do it publicly Um, but yeah that's enough on that okay Um, from 
something negative to something positive. Uh, a week or a week, five days after we slapped West Ham, which was, I think, the most predictable result of the season because I can't bear West Ham and they're terrible. Um, the one thing that I've not had a chance to talk about is seeing Zabaleta again. Just kind of sounds like a weird thing to say, but part of me felt like when he moved to West Ham, he was finished and I didn't really understand. I think I might have said at the end of, at the start of this season that I felt that I was just like, what are West Ham doing? I mean, he can't play Premier League football, uh, but he was maybe one of their best players last weekend. Um, Howard, how was it for you seeing Zappa? Uh, to be honest, I've moved on. <laughs> so it's always nice to see Zappa, obviously, because he's a legend. Uh I did feel a bit sorry for him, to be honest. Uh, I didn't think he was finished. He was finished at us. Mm. But, you know, as we discussed, there's such a drop-off of quality that I thought the move to West Ham was pretty pretty sensible one, logical. thought he could do a job there. And I've not watched a lot of West Ham and they struggled, but I think he has been. He's not been the worst player. He's done okay. Obviously, he's not got the legs to be a top-class fullback anymore. So I don't think he was finished in the Premier League because bottom half, I don't think you hardly have, yeah, have to be world-class to, uh, to perform in, in a bottom-half team. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, I would have liked him to have a much more comfortable season. It's a shame to see him in such a struggling side uh, after being with us and, you yeah, know, what he's achieved with us. Uh, but <laughs> what... <laughs> It, it did. Uh, it was sad to see him. Sad and quite inspiring as well to see him uh, clap the away fans with the city team at the end. At the end of the game as well, that did make me laugh. Uh, a surreal moment, definitely. It was surreal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of like a Gundogan thing. Do you think West Ham fans are now slagging well, him off because he did what, that? This is what I was about to go. This is what I was about to fire over to Mark. Was this idea that well, look at what's happened with with Gundogan in the week, and yet Zaba came over with the City players to applaud the City fans. Mark, how do you think West Ham fans felt about that? Well, uh, as I uh, work quite a lot in London, I, I do speak to West Ham fans, and the reason there was no issue there is that. <laughs> they're of the view that it could have been an awful lot worse if Zabaleta hadn't been there. He has been one of their best players. He has maintained standards. His effort on the pitch for West Ham has not been in any dispute whatsoever. They, He's very popular there. They totally understand how he must have been incredibly popular at City when he was in his pomp because they can see that he's coming towards the end. But he's still plenty good enough for them. Uh, uh, without him, it would be a problem. Incidentally, can I just mention one other thing? I listened to you guys talking about West Ham and Moyes last week. Last week, and if I can just divert slightly, I thought you were really, really harsh on Moyes. I mean, the problem with West Ham is not the manager. Whoa, 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 David, no, 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 no. You can never be too harsh on David Moyes. Yeah, yeah. look, the fact on is, this is, podcast, it, you can never be too harsh. It's the on David dildo Moyes. brothers who are employing him. <laughs> the, the job of West Ham manager is a bit like sitting in the technical area and you've got to wear a clown suit. I mean, he has... Basically, he <laughs> wanted to buy a centre-forward in January and the clubs uh, uh, wanting to loan him out, Leicester City, would not uh, uh, let Slurp Marnie go to West Ham because of the 
dreadful human beings that are the owners of West Ham. The guy is managing with a hand tied behind his back. So therefore, if he keeps them up in the most undignified way possible, then as far as I can see, what more can you ask of the guy? I mean, do you want him to juggle while he makes substitutions or something? He's well, no, I just I, think that I, I think that I completely disagree with what you just said there, Mark. I think that the fact that he's taking the Dildo Brothers' money, yeah, um, and the fact that he's not actually that good of a football manager. Uh, he did all right at Everton. Uh, was probably his ceiling. Since then, he's proven that he's really, really just a dinosaur. Um, he'll keep, he'll just about keep West Ham up, even though if you look actually through the squad, they have better players than where they are in the league right now. And um, yeah, I'm just not having the fact that David Moyes needs to be defended. He doesn't need to be defended. He needs to be put out to pasture. Um, can I, can I defend on. him by, uh, by plugging one of our other shows? Because uh, on the league, we discussed this on the league matters. Me and Steve. Uh, so I'm not Jacob Steinberg, you know, Guardian journalist, is a West Ham fan. Uh, and I did read a tweet the other day, and he was defending Moyes. Seen that as well. Uh, that saying word. that Billich left an absolute shambles of a, you know, when he left, there was just no coherence. There was no t- tactics. The morale was rock bottom. Uh, and to be honest, you can't pin this on Moyes. Uh, what what we've said about Moyes, I think, was more general over not just West Ham, but recent other jobs as well. Uh, he did brilliantly at, at Everton, but I kind of I see him as just another okay manager. And yeah, he probably can't have this one pinned on him. If they go down, it's not. There was a lot. You know, there's many many more issues at West Ham than David Moyes not. You know not getting the team to play well enough. But I think our points last week were more about him as a whole. Don't really rate him as more than a an average, one of the uh, the many English managers just on the carousel, just What's he you know, done endlessly, at West Ham ta- that makes- endlessly losing jobs right. than taking to- more jobs and, you know, your pardues and the like. And- to, to, to reassure you, Asan, he's not on my shortlist to replace Pep. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent, Mark. I'm sorry if I was a bit harsh on you there. I just can't be doing with David Moyes at all. Uh, Sam, do you want to chime in on David Moyes before I, uh, before I push this forward a little bit? No, carry on. Wonderful. Carry on pushing forward. Excellent. I'm going to push forward by asking you a question about Raheem Sterling, his level, his ceiling. Um, He was incredible last weekend against West Ham. Um, I felt that he got a lot of praise this week, uh, got a lot of press this week. Um, Guardiola spoke about him in very glowing terms after the game. So, yeah, like, you know, it's interesting. I feel as though my thing with Braz this season is, on a personal level, everybody knows how big a fan I am of him, blah, blah, blah. He's had a, an unbelievable season. I think it's a bit of a shame that Sane's got the hype, Salah's got the hype, um, Roberto Firmino's getting hype, Harry Kane gets hype every week, but when you look at Raz's numbers and you look at his impact, and you look at the way City play without him, maybe he deserves more hype, Sam? Yeah, of course he does, yeah. Uh, I think I tweeted... On the night when they did the PFA awards, that you know, I'd, I'd, I know it's a public vote, but you know, if it were up to me or if I were voting, I'd have given the young player award to Sterling rather than Sane. Yeah. I think, I think the misses, the high profile misses, are what, are what is holding Sterling back. And despite the fact he's got what is it, 22, 23 goals now, everyone will go, yeah, but what about these? And nobody seems to remember the fact that you know Sane will just have a, 
a full bad game, not just a bad miss, but just it'll just not it'll just not perform. Albeit not for a few months now, but earlier in the season. You know, he's got a ridiculously low level when he wants to, but he's also got a ridiculously high level that's higher than most of the players in the Premier League. It, it, once, once they kind of meet in the middle or that that low level is raised, then he, he really will be scary. And that's that's the good thing about Sane long term. But I think in terms of the season, I, I think Sterling's contributed a lot more. And he, he hasn't done an awful lot wrong other than some of those high-profile high misses, which... Yeah, obviously the United ones they sting a bit. We won't. We don't need to go into that. Um, the Burnley one cost City two points, which at the end of the season won't matter, uh, but already doesn't matter. So yeah, I, yeah, he does deserve that hype, and he does deserve credit. I mean, I, I'd imagine he'll go away with England and not be used in the same role in a completely different system, and he'll probably have a shocker again, the same as everyone else, and then we'll be back to square one in terms of his recognition. But in terms of what he does for City, I think he's invaluable. Okay, and just uh, finally uh, from you on Raz, um, do you think that we need to reevaluate what his ceiling is as a player? And and I guess the 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 context of that question is that last summer, um, kind of joking aside, most people felt that Sane and Alexis Sanchez, because we were going to sign him, we're going to take Sterling's place in the side because both of those players had a much higher ceiling than Sterling. 12 months on, would you would you still agree with that? Would you go along with that? But the thing is with Sane, I think it's the kind of it's the type of player he is that catches people's eye. And like I say, his you know, when he's good, he's he is better than most around, certainly in England. And everyone kind of assumes, probably rightly, that once he starts doing that all the time, he's going to be scary. And it's it's also because of the type of player he is, you know, the pace, um, the dribbling, the fact that he can just burst in behind. He scores like kind of breathtaking, like quick fire goals that you don't expect. Throw in that type of assist he got against Newcastle at home for Aguero. And everyone thinks, wow, this guy is going to be, he is going to be the next big thing. But with Sterling, he's just not that explosive anymore. He's gone away from being that kind of similar player to Sane. He's, you know, he's a bit better standing still with the ball. He's a, he's a bit more creative, and it's, I think, not not that he's like David Silva, but we've seen the problems that David Silva's had getting recognition in this country. Um, I think it may be a, a similar thing with Sterling in that he's not the explosive winger that you look at and go, "Oh wow, this guy's breathtaking." I think he he just yeah he understands the game very well. He knows what City want to do, um, and he's yeah he's obviously become very good now at, at picking passes and being in the right place at the right time. And maybe another part of it is a lot of people say, "Oh, well, he's only scored tappings in this level," but you know he, that shows that he's in exactly the right place in a Guardiola team where it's all about being in exactly the right place. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I think I think people should hopefully appreciate that his ceiling is very high but I can kind of understand why not because he's not quite as obviously in your face talented as as Sane is mm. okay um Mark I know that you would like to talk about Raz um before you do just the, a, a similar question really in terms of if you look at 12 months ago the perception of Sterling was very much that he was the guy who was going to miss out um as we bought more attacking players um do you think we need to now reevaluate what his ceiling is and how important he is to city 
Uh, yeah, um, and I, what I'm going to reference now is a, another pod, podcast called Stats Bomb, uh, yeah. which I, I, I would recommend. It's what uh, it, it's purely about statistics and expected goals and all the rest. And uh, the, the key guy is a guy called Ted Knutson. He's an American guy, but he was very much involved with the way they scouted players for Brentford and Mitchelland in Denmark. In that way, they very specifically did it when Uwe Rosler was the manager there. So he, mm-hmm. he does know of what he speaks. And the one they did this week uh, was purely going through the statistics of key players in the Premier League and the, the, the big names uh, and all the rest, and looking obviously at Salah's exceptional performance, uh, they said that Aguero's numbers that he's put up there on there are—we forget how exceptional they are in the number of games that he's played. The fact that you know, such a to the extent that Guardiola has been forced to play him, um, and then they looked at Raheem Sterling, and they actually compared him to uh, Harry Kane at least tangentially to say that they're probably uh, was it Kane's been fantastic this season well Sterling's been as good uh his numbers have absolutely moved forward and this is very much in a a a very objective way of looking at how these players have performed and how teams have performed to give you uh, almost a sort of scientific control they then went on to discuss two non-city players Lukaku and Firmino two centre-forwards who've actually got remarkably similar numbers in the way that Statsbomb which is actually quite interesting from what you see on the pitch. Very different players, but the output, if you like, is is not dissimilar at all at the end of all of it. 18 goals, 11 assists from a player who's got power to add. Purely from the numbers point of view, that is exceptionally good. And as um, Ted Knutson rightly said at the end, of course, the reason that uh, he's not thought out in the same way is ultimately because... The son and the male have uh, an approach towards him because he's black. And how awful is that? But it's true. Excellent. Never, uh, you can never say that enough, in my opinion. So I'm glad that you said it, Mark. Um, well, it's not, it's not me. You... It's Ted Knutson, to be fair to him. I mean, yeah. I think that's that's why, after all of the analysis, he also says the key thing as well. Yeah. Fair play to him. Um, Howard, do you want to uh, jump in on Raz before I push this forward again? Uh well, you've pretty much covered everything in between you, I think. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, you've probably worked out that I'm a huge fan of Sterling and he's, he's judged badly because of one flaw in his game. And we all know what that is. And it's composure in front of goal. If he got that right, uh, there's, there is no ceiling, really. I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be messy, but I think... I think we should just be both. Uh, we should be just very glad to have Sane and Sterling. Uh, I think they're hundred million pound players at some point. Yeah. And what more do you want? Yeah. Uh, and they're still developing. I mean, wh- where will they be at twenty-five? They're very different personalities. I think. I mean, Sterling's had to put up with a lot more. I think Sane has a certain arrogance about him, uh, and that can be good, a la Ronaldo, or it could hamper his career if he, you know, if he gets. You know, big boots, so to speak. If he just gets, uh, if he doesn't put the work in, uh, not that I'm saying he isn't putting the work in. Uh, so the ceiling is really down to both of them, but they're both going to be, you know, they're both going to be two of the best attacking players in the world, or should be. So don't think we really need to look past each other as long as they keep developing and uh, working on the game. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> okay. The other thing from from the West Ham game last weekend that 
that kind of jumped out at me and that I thought about this week was the uh, performance of, uh, of Laporte. Um, I've asked a question which is a little bit cheeky. Uh, I'll start with you, Howard. Um, is he the only centre-back who's a shorter starting place in the two next season? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I would I'm not sure. Why? I assume you're, that's what you're thinking. I don't think he's a short one. I mean, you've got Otamendi, Stones, Company. We don't. I don't know where we'll be with Company, and I don't know. Don't think we'll sign a, another. Will we sign another centre half in the summer? No idea. Obviously, Sam might have a better idea, but he's not played enough to be assured. But I would expect him to start next uh, at the start of next season. But there's no there's no one assured a place. I mean, okay. you know, earlier in the season, I thought Stones and Otamendi was our partnership for good. But then a few weeks down the line, things changed. So I don't think we can say who or if Pep will have a preferred partnership. You don't think that Laporte's performances um, since he's come into the side in the last month have, um, how do I phrase this, have stabilised something that had suddenly become very wobbly. In fact, I'm going to throw that to Sam. Yeah, Sorry, no, I agree with that, and I agree. Sorry, I will, I'll let Sam you know, answer this properly. I agree that he's been fine, but I just, I don't think we can say that, all I'm saying is I don't think we can say, we, you know, definitively that we know who will be started next season. Just of course. I mean, change, I, I, yeah. I, I feel that, uh, it's, Sam, I'm going to throw it over to you, in fact. I'm going to let Sam answer it, let Mark answer it, and then I'll I'll have my say. Um, Sam, what do you reckon? Do you think that Laporte is... That that question that I asked at the start, is he the only centre-back who's assured a starting place in the two next season? No, I don't think so either. Okay. I mean, he's, do, he's doing what what they hoped he would do when they signed him. Mm. And, you know, he's shown that versatility that he can play on the left or he can play in the middle or he can do a bit of the two, depending on what's needed of him and he's he's looking better and better and the passing's there and you know he's a bit of a physical presence etc um so yeah he's 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 doing what he's supposed to do which is very good but yeah i, I don't know if he's going to be as short uh, i'd imagine they'd keep changing it around maybe as they did towards the end of the season um but even if not if there was one player who's a short i still think it'll be Otamendi. okay fair enough um mark i'm going to let you answer this as well i think that the uh... Emerick Laporte's uh, biggest success so far is that, uh, to use uh, a, a phrase that politicians are asked to, to uh, uh, do occasionally, he has not committed news. Since he arrived, there hasn't been an agenda of, oh, this is another very expensive centre-half and he's a, an absolute calamity. We've not, which I'm sure was a, an agenda that was wanting to, to, to people wanting to write about mm-hmm. the player who is our record signing, he, he's just not really been talked about. And I think that probably counts as success. Um, I think that the thing about him and next season that is interesting is that I don't think he's going, or is unlikely to go to the World Cup, which will mean that he will presumably be guaranteed of a, a starting position on the pre-season tour, which might mean that he is guaranteed of a starting position in the uh, community shield, which might get him in the team for the first game. And I think there Mm. may be one or two other players who are in that position, the ones that aren't going to the World Cup, might have that advantage. And, of course, it it might also 
benefit Foden and Diaz and uh, even Emecha as well. Yeah, um, is out of the World Cup now, isn't he? So I, I was just about to I, say I wouldn't that. count your chickens just yet. He's not yeah. going to the World Cup. I, I think the, the thing that Mark touched upon there, which I think is the is the key in all of this, is when he said that he's not made any headlines. He's not made any headlines because he's not made any calamitous mistakes. And I think that's the key reason why I asked that question is because I think he is the only centre-back who's assured a starting place next season in the two. And I think the reason for that is because the one thing so far that he doesn't have in his locker is a 5 out of 10 performance. And I think that if you look at Stones and you look at Otamendi and you even look at Vinny, over the course of this season, they have shown in moments that they can throw in a 5 out of 10 performance. Um and I think that there's been a consistency to Laporte's game every time he's played that I think will be more important to Guardiola. Than Pep talked a lot about stability, stability in both boxes. And I think that's the key. I think that Stones and Otamendi, as good as they were at the start of the season, they both have shown that they can be unstable when put under certain kinds of pressure. Um, and therefore, I think that Laporte is kind of the guy who right now is showing himself to be the most stable. Um, and I wonder also if he had joined last summer, whether this season had been different somehow. Uh, that's how highly I, I rate him anyway. Well, we might, might have got to 103 points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Nementia got his debut. Um against West Ham and it went relatively unnoticed. Does it matter that it went unnoticed or do you guys feel like me? And I, cause I feel a bit like, you know, whenever another team has a player from their Academy get on the pitch, it's just a thing. And people talk about it for days and you get loads of profiles on who that player is and all that sort of stuff. And it just feels like whenever it happens to see, everybody ignores it. Um, Mark, I'll start with you. What do you think? I'm really not bothered by this. I mean, uh, the, the the all of us are aware that he's done. He's done very well to get there. And I think that he can be immensely proud of that achievement for the rest of his life because Guardiola does not put players on the field, let alone in the Premier League, unless they've absolutely earned it. So firstly, congratulations to Lucas Nemecha. That's one hell of an achievement, whatever happens going forward. Um I don't want him to be put under the pressure that Makeda was put under. <laughs> I don't want him to be like me. I don't want him to have a career like Makeda. Just let, 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 let him carry on as he is at the moment. He has the advantage. We talked about the pre-season tour. Um, I think that well, uh, Jesus and uh, uh, Aguero are definitely going to the World Cup. So he may go on that pre-season tour as the, the number one central striker. What an opportunity. That's his mm. moment that he can either show Guardiola that he's a player who can really break through or alternatively put himself in the shop window for a really good loan next season uh, that could uh, put, uh, put, put him in the picture. The fact that, you know, it's not mentioned in certain media, I don't care. I mean, I keep saying to people, you know, you, you don't lose your city badge if you don't follow Neil Custis of the Sun on Twitter. That's just, mm. it's just not something you need to worry about. No, that's fair enough. But I do think that, you know, I, I 
it's difficult. Football is tribal. And therefore, when you feel that, you know, you're treated differently, you will, it's, it's kind of natural to, to speak up. Um, Sam, in this instance, do you think that I'm being overly sensitive to you about what I said about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't get it with every young player. Arsenal have been fielding loads recently. I think there's a few on the Chelsea bench. I'm, I'm sure still a lot of people were to watch Chelsea or Arsenal at the weekend, having not done it recently. But like, who, who the hell is that? Uh, it, it, I think what it basically comes down to is you'll get profiles on who they are. If the local journalists involved, of which I am obviously one for City, think they're amazing and they're really good. There's been loads on Foden because the buzz around City is that he's going to be brilliant and he could make it. There's been some about Brahim because there's the similar thing and there's obviously the interest of him being brought over from Malaga when he was 14. Um, Iheanacho got it last year because he scored when he came on at Palace. Um, Rashford got it obviously because you know he, he made that start to life at United when he scored two in the Europa League and then two against Arsenal. You, you get it based on either the hype that you produce on the pitch or the hype that there's been behind your youth career. And Nemec is going to be a very good player. He's going to forge a very decent career for himself. Um, I don't think he'll be at City. There's no shame in that. It's not a failure. Not every player who comes through the City Academy is going to be good enough to play for City because they're buying world-class players. Yeah. Um, but there's he didn't do anything extraordinary for people to go on a newspaper desk or my editor to go, we want 800 words on this kid. Where's he come from? Um no, none of none of the journalists there would have said this guy's really good. We should do a piece on him. He didn't. He didn't get the attention because he's just he's another young kid who's who's been given five or ten minutes at the end of a game. And I think there are quite a few of those around the top clubs at the moment. Okay, fair enough. That's me well and truly put in my place. <laughs> <laughs> so I just point out that McCady was sent off in a Serie B game this week. So. How the mighty have fallen. Well, at least he's still a professional footballer. That yeah. should be something. But can we um, also say right. that it's a great achievement for him to get on the pitch anyway, whatever happens. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. I think this... Go on. Go on, Mark. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, just to say, I, I do not think that Guardiola puts players on the pitch out of charity. And that's no, not at all. one of the reasons why Yaya is still coming on, because frankly, when he's come on the last couple of games, he's been really good. And he must be saying to one or two of these players, look, you've got to be better than Yaya to get on. Yeah, I think that's also a fair shout. Um, but I still, I, I still feel that yeah, yeah, phone conversations are different conversations slightly. I think that I can understand why Guardiola's. It's just weird that the, the whole Torre and Pep Guardiola is its own TV show, and I have absolutely no doubt that when this season ends and Torre leaves, we'll get an encore performance from Torre and then from Pep in the media. Um, because, yeah, the, those two just love to... It's just a very strange relationship. Um, okay, I want to look at the rest of the week in football very briefly. Uh, so, begin with, Champions League final will be Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Uh, I want everybody to pick a winner for me. Howard, who do you think will win, Liverpool or Real Madrid? <laughs> uh, Real Madrid just seemed to have, I don't know, something... Either they've bought the referees, but they just have this way of winning. <laughs> I guess you could say Liverpool have. Uh, but as a betting man, I'd still go for Real Madrid. Okay, Sam? I am very concerned that Liverpool are going to win it. Yeah. I can't remember what made me think it last night, but I just thought it's going to happen, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. And maybe that's just my my pessimistic 
head speaking, but it just seems like they're going to, you know, they've got this far. It seems like they're going to do it. I mean, one thing I disagree with was the other night when Madrid were going through against Bayern, everyone was like, oh, Liverpool are going to batter these. They're not very good. And then Liverpool lost 4-2. Looked a bit of a mess at times. And everyone was like, oh yeah, Liverpool are going to win the final. It's like, hang on a minute, lads. <laughs> they've, been no, they've been no better against Roma than, than Madrid were against Bayern. So, but that, that said, I, I do still think they're going to somehow do it. I'm a bit concerned about that. I mean, normally, you know, if, if this were um, if this weren't Liverpool, if this were an equivalent team from Europe or something, playing really well, getting to the final, the guy, I know it's going to be Real Madrid. But I think it's that kind of pessimistic United City viewpoint of thinking they're just going to do it. Okay. Um, but Madrid should. Mark, what about for you? Who do you think will win? Rather like Sam, I, I fear the poetry <laughs> if Liverpool yeah. will win. Um, I, 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 I really don't know. On the one hand, I think that Salah against Marcello... That's interesting. But then I also think that Dejan Lovren has got to uh, deal with the uh, 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 the Real Madrid attack and, and, and the midfield. The difference is pretty dramatic. So I, I, I just don't know. I think that just on Real Madrid, you've got to say that to get to the final, they've beaten PSG, Juventus and Bayern Munich. And they had a group with Spurs and Borussia Dortmund in it. So they certainly didn't get the benefit of the draw in this one. And, and you, I, I don't know what Zidane does. But he does seem to do it. Um, yeah. They've been, frankly, mediocre in, in La Liga. But you cannot argue with finding a way to win those sorts of games. Um, well, they've been mediocre in those games. I mean, I've watched them all. And I just... How they got past Bayern, I don't know, uh, in that second leg. But they have. So I don't know if it's luck or it's just a will to win. PSG, they were outplayed in the first leg. But then they just scored a couple of goals at the end and... That was that. It's just what they do. So it's hard to judge them because they really... This is not a peak Real Madrid. I mean, the squad's great, but the performances are not great I at mean, all. The, the, so how do, how do you judge a team not playing that well that keeps winning this go- well, and, know, and knows how to win in the competition? It's hard to judge it. This goes back to the whole thing that I think is the unspoken thing here is the elegiac feeling that, you know, City ought to be able to beat both of those teams. Yeah, maybe, but I think that with I, I'm I I disagree with the three of you. I think that Madrid will win it comfortably. Um, oh, good. Not good. because, <laughs> uh, not not because. Like I, I firstly, I don't uh, you know this idea of like oh it's Liverpool's year or whatever. It's just like I don't I don't get into that. You've just got to look at the two teams and 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 how they've performed. I think the big I think the big thing for Liverpool to win it. Um, I think that they have to score first. I think that if Real Madrid score first, Real Madrid, in terms of pure quality, they are at such a higher level than than Liverpool that if Madrid do take the lead, then they'll be able to keep the ball um, away from Liverpool. I also think that they'll be able to murder Liverpool on, on the break. Um, and I think... Also, the flip side of that is that if you look at the way that you can talk about the way that Madrid have performed, but if you look at the teams that they've that they've played, it's been uh, the, the performances have been bitty. But in the moments that have mattered, the the experience and the quality has told, um, and I think that that's what will happen in the final. I think the experience and the the quality will will tell and I think for all of the the kind of heavy metal football that Liverpool have played up up until now I just don't think it'll be it'll be enough 
against yeah. Madrid. Madrid have the belief, so if they are, if they were behind, they're not one to panic or go into the shell. No, it just they have this belief that we will score. So hopefully that is the big difference. Well, it's just you look at the you look at the way that the the two Bayern games pan out in the way that Bayern score first and they score early in both games. They look like they are in complete control of the football match, and then like Madrid just go up the other end, and Marcelo does something, and bang, they've scored yeah. a goal. And that's every single time that I've seen Madrid play under Zidane. That like, going all the way back to City's semi final against them two two years ago. I mean, they don't need to do a lot because they have a lot of quality and they have the ability to score a goal from nothing all the time. You don't necessarily need to do a lot over over 90 minutes. You just need to make sure that you're still in the tie. And if you're still in it, then those players feel confident that they can win it. Okay. Um, Arsenal were beaten by United at Old Trafford last weekend. And then Wenger lost to, well, Arsenal lost to um, Atletico Madrid in the Europa League. Uh, a fitting end to, to Wenger's reign, Sam? Yeah, probably, yeah, it, it kind of sums up the last 10 years or so, doesn't it, really? Mm, no, I, I think so. Um, what about for you, Mark? Do you think we need to put a bit more respect on Arsene Wenger's name? Uh, Stevie Wonder recorded a selection of magnificent Motown 45s in the 60s. He recorded Inner Visions, Talking Book and Songs for the Key of Life in the 70s. He then also recorded I Just Called to Say I Love You. We've got to we've got to mention the first part first, and then we will overlook that. And and Vega's career is much the same, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. I'll, I'll I'll go along with that analogy. Can we mention Paul McCartney doing the frog song then? Stevie Wonder also did Ebony and Ivory with um, Paul McCartney as well, which we've also overlooked. Um, but no, on a, on a serious point, he was an absolute innovator when he came in. He he, he was okay. a game changing manager. Uh, uh, unfortunately. He, st- he stayed far too long, didn't he? There's yeah. nothing more to say, is there, really? No, I don't think so. Um, Howard, Stephen Gerrard is going to be the new Rangers manager. Um, could I have your thoughts on this, please? Uh, kind of a free hit for him, because he's taken over a club in the, in the, the strangers of positions. Like he can't, He's not going to take them down in that league, because because of the quality divide between Celtic and everything below Rangers and obviously Aberdeen are okay but but then he's got to so he's given a chance to try and improve them to catch up with Celtic uh, it's a strange one obviously was it the the youth team at Liverpool he's been managing yes uh, so he's not he's not got the experience but it's kind of a free hit because it'll be very hard for him to destroy them and take them down so What's the reasoning? Maybe again, obviously, you know, it might have been a great interview with innovative ideas, but the feeling I got from press reports is they wanted him from day one. He went up there and the deal was sorted. So it's it's a risk because he's not got the experience, but they're a team that have had a very strange 10 years history. So they're kind of taking a chance with someone. Mm. Uh, because they haven't got that much to lose except staying second or third in their league. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the argument would be, well, it's just another yeah, gigs type person who wants a top job without, you know, putting the yards in. But is it a top job? It's somewhere in between. Obviously a big club, but not in a big league. 
So it, it, I think for the club, it's a bit of a free hit just to see how it goes. Okay. Um, Sam, do you think that it's a shortcut or do you think that, you know, as Howard says, Rangers are a big club who aren't necessarily in a good way right now? I don't know if it's a shortcut. It's I don't know. It seems it seems like a, a decent place to start. I suppose. I mean, it's a bit like football manager, isn't it? When you get a few years after after reality, and then you just get names cropping up all over the place. It it is a bit of an odd one, but mm. no, I, I don't think it's a shortcut. Um, you know, he's 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 done a, a bit of time coaching Liverpool's kids. I asked him a question after the City game, like how you know people were asking about you know the kids' development. I asked him about his etc. and then. So he gave a decent answer about that, you know, the the usual stuff you would learn as a coach and thinking about the game differently. And then somebody else asked him later on, what's next? And he said, what, for them or for me? Which I thought was quite interesting. So I think he'd always had kind of one eye on getting into management as soon as possible. Um, yeah, I think we've probably got to assume that ex-players are that kind of standing. If they show some willing to go into coaching, they're going to get opportunities. Rangers, it's a really difficult one for him. It's probably a free hit for Gerard as much as anything because if it doesn't work out, you can say, "Oh, well, they were shambles." Um, so it'd be interesting to see how it goes. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about how he got it or anything like that. I think it's probably about right. Really, it's it's not a job I'd want to take. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark, what about for you? Uh, are we allowed to make the Brendan Rogers joke, or is that totally superannuated? Nah, go for it. Do it. Uh, uh, well, in his jokes. interview, he said that uh, he was the man who denied Brendan Rodgers winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, he'll get the opportunity to do that again. He'll get the opportunity to do that again, yeah. Um, no, I look, I think that when you're a, a, a coming into a job as a football manager, it's very rare that you get an opportunity where everything is going tickety-boo. You're always walking in by the nature of it to a a crisis to a greater or lesser extent, aren't you? I mean, with, with Rangers, it's a bit different because the crisis is ongoing and permanent at that club rather than we've got three games to avoid relegation. Um, So it is a risk to a certain extent for Gerard, but I think it's probably a manageable one for him and it's probably a better deal for him than it is for Rangers because it strikes me that from my knowledge from afar, what they absolutely need is an experienced manager who uh, uh, knows that league and knows how to gradually make up the gap with Celtic. And the worry that they've got is McInnes, who's the manager of Aberdeen, who's a Rangers fan and a former Rangers player. Mm. He took one look at it and said, get off. (laughs) And, (laughs) And that suggests that there are absolutely fundamental issues with that football club sure and I think but I think the thing is that because there are so many fundamental issues with that football club it is a little bit of a brave move for Gerard to go up there because in many respects um having done a year for the under 18s at Liverpool it's you know we could have done could have stayed there for a year he could have it's it's easy for him to stay at Liverpool it's definitely a comfort zone for him and I think that going and taking a job like Rangers will be... It's a little bit like Roy Keane when he took the Sunderland job, was it? Where you kind of feel like, all right, it's you know, it's different because Sunderland were, weren't in the state that, um, that Rangers are in. But similar type of profile in that I think it'll be interesting now to see. It's an opportunity for Gerard, I think. Um, I think he... 
he can he's got very little to lose from it but he's got a lot to gain from it um okay finally we have a game this weekend the victory parade continues city play Huddersfield and get uh, presented with the Premier League trophy unless I'm I'm mistaken um, before we talk about it from a city's point of view briefly let's look at it from a Huddersfield point of view um Sam, they're three points above Southampton, who are in 18th, and two points above Swansea. Um, do you care if Huddersfield are relegated? Uh, well, I suppose when you put it like that, I'd, no, I, I won't lose any sleep about it. I don't want them to go down, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bothered okay. particularly. Why don't you want them I to go down? I think if they did, then... But I mean, even if they didn't go down, you know, there's, there's probably about five teams this season who... Who should by rights, you know, they they've been bad enough to go down. They've just not been as bad as the actual three positions you need to be. And Huddersfield would be one of them. But I mean, if they do go, then fair enough. I think after they beat Leicester the other week, it just kind of shows the ridiculous kind of way that everyone makes sweeping judgments about football these days. It's like, oh well, they're safe now. It's like well, it's like four or five games left. And did anyone everyone just forget that the last three games are City, Chelsea, and Arsenal? And obviously, they're in the position which. They're always likely to be in where, you know, they, they're going to need to get something from those three games. Yeah, yeah. Um, Howard, uh, I read this week that David Wagner um, uh, is rumours of him losing his job. Considering Huddersfield, the size of the club, the budget that they had, the job that he's done this season, are you surprised by that? Yeah, very surprised. I mean, I can't remember the sum of business, but it didn't. They obviously didn't spend a fortune and would have been expected to be relegated. I would have thought one of the favourites. So I'm not, yeah, as a question, would they be missed? Not really, because the playing style is hardly something that's a credit to the Premier League, but I'm not sure what else he could have done. Mm. With his resources, he's, he's tried his best and I think they've performed at least to what you'd expect, probably slightly above it. Uh, I think it would be a stupid move, considering he took them up as well, to get rid of him. I, don't see any sense in that. Uh, no, it's where I mean, obviously, it doesn't mean he will lose his job, but that's just nature of football. It would be a ridiculous panic move if you ask me, because he's surely best place to bring them back up if they were to go down. Yeah. Okay, um, Mark. Well, in terms of Wagner, uh, he will simply, if he loses his job, get another one again very quickly and a better one than Huddersfield. Um, given the resources that they've got, uh, they could have gone down on 12 or 15 points and he's going to take it to the last match, whatever. Um, so therefore, he has done a, a, as good a job as anybody could possibly have expected him to have done. Uh, obviously, it's not been uh, the most gripping football. I would imagine that the uh, Premier League passing and possession record will come under threat again on Sunday because if you remember they were hugely defensive in the fixture um, uh, at Huddersfield before Christmas and they'll probably be even more so in this match um, but you know I, I think that to, to even take it to the last match to have 35 points already is is really good I, I think that the interesting thing from their point of view is that this there aren't any free hits left, but they will be thinking that they want Liverpool to beat Chelsea in what's actually quite a significant match uh, on Sunday afternoon because then they could have two games left, which are uh, Chelsea, who are on the beach 
by that point, which would be a probably a considerably better chance of getting something than uh, uh, the, 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 than City. And then they play Arsenal, who've lost every single uh, away game so far this year. Is it? Is, is that right? Yeah. So they've got to have a chance in that against yeah, Stevie Wonder circa 1985. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Um, thoughts on Aaron Moy? Because obviously he will be coming to the Etihad. Um, Rumours linking him with a move away from Huddersfield should they be relegated. Sam, this question is mainly for you. Will they make a profit on him? Based on the season that he's had, the thing is, I don't know the season he's had for the last few months. Okay. I've, I've I've often wondered this. I've not done anything about finding out. Granted, um, I'm not a Huddersfield reporter, so fair enough. I've, but yeah, for the last few months, I've just gone, "Where's Aaron Moy gone?" I, I'm not aware of him doing anything. So I don't know. Would they make a profit? <sighs> yeah, well, the market's a bit more mad. I don't know. He's he seemed. He definitely seems like there's enough about him, but I mean, I, he he may well have been all right in the last few months. He may have been terrible. I, I honestly don't know, but he just seems to have dropped off the face of the earth, as far as I know. Okay. So I wish you hadn't asked me that question specifically, because <laughs> it would be good if the other two could save me. Um, no, uh, no, I can can't. I, can, I, can I say something? I think he's the sort of player who, if he did move on, his valuation might be affected upwards or downwards by the World Cup. Ah, uh, interesting. Uh, he, interesting. He will be okay. He's not in a particularly strong yeah. side by any means. But he's the sort of player who could, should we say, uh, uh, he, it's an opportunity for him the World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. But I also, window, yeah, yeah. I, I also think that he's. I personally, I think that he's uh, he's shown this season that he can play at a higher level than than Huddersfield as well. Um, even if you only take into account his performance, because I think he, I think he got an injury in the winter, which uh, sidelined him for, for for some time. But um, in terms of the performances uh, in the first half of the season, he was their best player, um, and I think that yeah, he probably can go up another level. And now that he's done a season in the Premier League, having done a season in the Championship as well, uh, I can completely see a situation where even if Huddersfield aren't relegated I can see bigger Premier League clubs maybe not necessarily top six clubs but certainly you know clubs of the size of Everton um, or even Newcastle who I think are a big club and will have some money to spend this summer um, I think clubs like that will be will be looking at at somebody like Aaron Moy um, because I think from Huddersfield's point of view they only paid like 12 million for him or something like that and with the season that he's had the way the prices are going I can see them you know getting 25 30 million pound for the right club if they they want him badly enough um okay so City have another victory parade performance on Sunday um I guess we're expecting Howard I'll start with you more of the same or do you think that you know suddenly on Sunday Foden will start no more of the same I don't don't think he'll change anything at this point. If he does change, it'll be the last two games, I think. But of course, we're still going for that hundred points, and I think that means a lot to to the managers, uh, the manager, and the players. So no, I can't see. Him. I mean, he can change. Yeah, he can bring like Danilo in for Walker again, or rest one of Sane, Sterling. But I can't see many big changes. Okay. Uh, I think he'll keep going till the end. So. Okay, um, Sam. Do you want to uh, 
do you want to predict a, a score? In fact, no. Do you want to give me a lot? Do you want to pick a team first, and then I'll have Mark give me a, oh. a score to wrap this up. Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't, I don't know what the situation is with Walker, but I'd probably go with or company for that matter. Um, I'd probably go without them. Edison, Danilo, Laporte, Otamendi, Delph, Fernandinho, De Bruyne, Silva, and I'm hoping up front it'll be Sterling. Jesus and Sane but given he rested Sane a couple of weeks ago and David Silva was given time off last week and given that I've got a lot of riding on a couple of fancy football leagues (laughs) in this double game week I'm a bit concerned there may be time off for De Bruyne and Sterling but I don't know but that's the team that's the team I'd I'd predict Okay. can I ask Um, Sam a question Uh, what's happened to Mendy? we should well, Guardiola said they're being really careful with him. I think we saw when he came on against Swansea, he hardly looked like he was ready to play anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, again, maybe he could have got the same amount of time against West Ham. Um, maybe they thought, that's that's enough. Maybe that was in the plan all along. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, you have 15 minutes here, then you carry on working on it in training. Because, you know, Guardiola said, after you have big problems like that with a knee, then the next thing that you get is is muscle injuries. I get the feeling they don't want him to go to the World Cup either. And that would probably make sense, you know, from where it... I think he'd have a big ground to make up in those two months between Swansea and the World Cup. So I think they're probably being careful with him for his own sake. And that might even mean trying to be extra careful so he doesn't go to the World Cup and isn't looked after by other doctors and isn't pushed into an injury which will affect him going into next season. Yeah. So I would imagine that's yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I was thinking that obviously if he wants to go to the World Cup, he's going to have to start a game before the end of the season, I'd have thought. And this did seem an obvious one for him, but uh, uh, you, you, you're closer to the ground than I am. Yeah, well, I mean, a start just seems so far away. Yeah, and I just... I, it, looked like, you know, so it looked like he'd never kicked a ball before when he came on against Swansea. I'm not having a go. It's understandable because that's how, where he is on his comeback. Um, but... Yeah, just look. You know, I remember when he came back against United on that Friday night in the youth game, and City, you know, put the video on on Twitter saying, "Oh, it's good to see him back." And he was get he was running down the left onto a pass, and he was going to cross it in. And I thought, oh, "This is going to be good." And it was just like a bog standard cross. I was like, "That's interesting that they'd use that video because it's fine. That's the situation he's in with his recovery." But it it does kind of go to show that he's not the Mendy that we remember from. August, September. No, I think... And he's going to need time to get back to that. I, I think that what you said about the World Cup is absolutely spot on. I think that were there, there no summer tournament this this summer, I think maybe we'd have seen a little bit more of Mendy um, and they would have started his kind of match uh, uh, rehab already. But I think because there is a World Cup, I suspect that they don't want him anywhere near competitive games because they don't want with the fact that there is a World Cup means that loads of our players are going to be coming back really late the more players that we can avoid going to the World Cup and have them actually be there at the start of pre-season to be ready at the start of the season itself the better and I think that this is the type of shenanigan so to speak that that they might get involved in which is saying Amendi you're just not going to play mate because we don't want you going to the World Cup we'd rather you did your pre-season here with us um Okay, Howard, do you want to predict the score? Uh, three, three nil. Three nil. Okay, clean sheet and three nil. Um, Mark, predict the score for me, please. 
Um, I think we've been going at four goals a game recently, and I hope that will continue. Incidentally, one of the targets I'm interested in as well is they get 12 goals in their last three games, which is four a game. That's 114 goals, which is an average of three a game. And I think that it, we are talking about things like legacy and where they stand in history of Premier League winners. To have 100 points and an average of three goals per game that's the calling card we need to be aiming for. And on this one, realistically, I mean, we, we, we need to be at least averaging four to um uh, to get to that. But I think it's possible mm. given what they're doing recently. Four nil. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Sam, are you are you gonna go higher or lower? <laughs> can I can I just do the same? Can I just say three nil as well? <sighs> Probably about right. Yeah, uh, yeah, if you want. If you want if you want to be uncontroversial, uh, you can say three Yeah, well I mean Huddersfield would be quite tricky, weren't they? Yes. As as Mark said earlier, as they were away from home, but yeah, City in party mode. And I mean that in the in the best sense really. And again, as as Howard said, there's the or maybe it was Mark. Sorry, the 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 possession and the passing is going to be up there, and I think it's inevitable that City will do it. Yeah, I just I I think it might be. Four. I can say five nearly if, if you'll make you happy. It it will make me happy because I was going to say I expect four or five just because I think that Huddersfield um, have they won't be as good as they were at home. They won't be as good as, as they were last year, um, and I think that you know. It's going to be, we are being presented with the Premier League trophy. I think that we're going to want to put a show on. Um, I think that Huddersfield will be very obliging visitors. And yeah, I think we'll score four or five goals. Um, okay, wonderful. That was another jam-packed Friday show. Uh, Mr. Hawking, happy birthday again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Absolute what pleasure, way Mark. To- what better way to spend a birthday than doing Oh, so sweet. Cheers, Howard. No sarcasm um, there. <laughs> Mark, Mr. Meadowcroft, it's always good to have you on, mate. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. A pleasure as always. Excellent. And Sam Lee. Uh, oh, Sam, um, mm. before you go, um, when is the next transfer podcast? Next week or um, the week after? Probably the week after. I, I think I'm away all of next week. Um, and I'll probably won't have my laptop with me so the week after i would imagine okay the one after the season finishes okay so and are you any closer to having all four names so city are in there are four forwards that city would like um do you think by the time that we do that podcast in two weeks you will know the names of all four of those forwards yeah i've got a fair idea now if, if if by the two if by the four you mean kind of two cheaper options, one of which being Bailey and two Mbappe and Hazard, then yeah. Um, there's an, yeah, there's another couple of names floating around, but I always expected it to be like Bailey and Mahrez, for example. I don't think it is. I need to check it out. I need to confirm it, but I don't think it is. I think it's a couple more unlikely names and I can't, I can't really see, see it. So I'll check that out. And if we can do it next week, then we will. If not, have to wait two weeks wonderful there's plenty of time anyway transfer window doesn't even open for weeks definitely watch you've just said that and now City will announce a signing next week just to spite you Sam <laughs> not a forward sure <laughs> no, it's a bit early for that uh, particularly with the names that, that we're being linked with I think that that will definitely be done after the season ends right Sam thank you very much um, to everybody who listened thank you very much this was the Friday show on the 9320 podcast remember we have the 9320 player uh, where we do reviews 
transfer podcasts, history shows, loads of stuff. If you haven't subscribed already, it's only £4 a month. Go to 9320.com, check it out. Um, In the meantime, have a lovely weekend and up the blues.